0: What do we put before God? That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to spend some time in Scripture. We're going to um, talk about different things that we make in idols in our lives. <sighs> I don't like this subject. This subject came because Jay and I, we had a trip that we got to spend 12 hours in a vehicle for. And for 12 hours in a vehicle, we got into a lot of different mud. Right? So, during that conversation, we started talking about idols. We started talking about what idol worship looked like in the modern day, right? So, there are no, I don't know, Buddhist sculptures up here, right? There's no golden calves. There's no big uh, images of kings, in preparation for this, I read about several people that still uh, pray to the kings of old, right? Not, not the king of kings, but actual kings, right? And they, uh, they build statues, and they build all kinds of things praying to the kings of old. And that's not what this is, because we, we're Americans. We're Americans, uh, we're at least in the Western culture. Um, I would say that our, our buddies overseas probably have the same issues, Oh yeah, I forgot. I got more idols here. I'm missing out on some. I kept them in my pockets. Yep. So as we get into this, I want to dive into what scripture says about idolatry, what scripture says. And by the way, none of this is going to be comfortable today, but we just sang that God can free us from anything. So why not? Why not just dig into this? So as we start off, I'm going to have you all stand. We're going to turn to Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 6. It's going to be up on the screen if you need a cheat sheet, if you want to pull out your U version on your idolatrous phone. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. (laughs) No, but if you want to pull out your phone, if you want to pull out scripture, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 6. And the word of the Lord says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or on earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Let's pray. Lord, as we dig into this commandment that you've given us, this commandment that we are to put you first, that we are to only worship you first and foremost, Lord, help us understand, help us realize what the idols are in our lives, help us understand where our focus may drift sometimes, Lord, help us destroy idols so that we don't worship them anymore Put our heart in the right place this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So in verse 3, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, that's pretty clear. I think we should just stop there. I'll go home and move on, right? I mean, it's pretty straightforward. You shall have no. No means no. Yeah, no means no. Scripture is the very breathed word of God, and we see it saying a very clear commandment here that you shall not put anything anywhere before god it means never it means don't do it it means not a chance in the world god was super clear but jumping down to verse 5 he makes it even more clear as if we were confused It says, you shall not bow down or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. By the way, I am a jealous husband. Don't mess with my family. Don't mess with my wife, right? I love her unconditionally. But that's how I think of God, right? God loves us so much, nothing gets to come between us and God. And if it does, can you imagine His fury? if some guy came in and started trying to woo my wife away, right, being a man that loves my wife, it's not happening, good luck, right? Right? I'm a jealous husband. By the way, when we go out to restaurants, I learned that my wife is a jealous wife. I'm just, I'm just playing. Poor girl, she had to sit there for all this. But no, right? So we, right? God is a jealous God. Nothing comes between us and Him in His eyes. And when it does, He gets angry. He gets angry when things try to slip in and take away His attention. We are His creation. We are His people. We are His pride. We are His joy. We are everything to Him. And when he doesn't get the respect that he deserves from his creation, everything can start to fall apart. Does God have anything to be jealous about in your life? Because, by the way, our God is a jealous God, but we're the ones that allow things to come in between him and us. So I got this list of things, right? And so I brought this for all to to see today as examples of what can come in between easily us and God. So first one, I I brought my cell phone. And if everybody calls me right now, it'll be really annoying. So teenagers, knock it off. I see you back there, right? But right, I brought my cell phone. And how much time do we spend on cell phones? If you want to know if somebody worships their cell phone, try to take it away from them. You ever? So I went to a youth event one time, and I was like, all right, hey guys, we're not going to worship our cell phones tonight. And so let me pass this basket around, right? And I'm going to gather up all your cell phones. By the way, if you need to make a call, you just come ask. I'll give you your cell phone. You make the call. I'll put it back. It's not an issue. I'm not going to take it away for good. You still have access to it. But here, let me have your cell phones, You know how many kids I had text their parents, you might be some of them in here, text their parents immediately say, he's taking my cell phone away, can you believe it? (laughs) And my phone instantly lit up with parents, you're taking their cell phone away? What are you doing? Right? By the way, some of you all were like, yeah, boy, take this cell phone away. Right? But so I took the cell phone away. It's not the only time in youth history. By the way, youth are absolutely like, they hug this thing because I don't try to take away adult cell phones. They typically tend to be as strong as I am. And so, but youth, right? I get to spend a lot of time with them being the youth pastor. And so I take their cell phones and, and they freak out. I don't know what you would do if I tried to take your cell phone, but you might freak out too, right? And it's not permanent. It's just like, hey, can I read what you're texting? Hey, can I look through your Safari search? You ever asked a youth if you could look through their Safari search, and instantly that thing, up? Oh, it just flew out the window. I don't know where that cell phone went. Poor kids. Asked to check out their Snapchat sometime. Oh, wait, that deletes as it goes. Right? So the cell phone, I mean, a lot of us like to put it first. What about cash? By the way, I tried to write down fat stack of cash. This is as good as I could get. I, it's as good as I could get. But, right, do we put cash first? before we put God? Do we put cash in the way of our relationship? Is cash inherently bad? Is there anything wrong with having cash? No, but you know what is bad? When we put cash first, that's when it becomes an idol, right? So we're talking about idolatry. And by the way, I brought examples so that you can think through in your life whether these are things. Now, I'm sorry. Anybody that's been a Nazarene for more than 20 years in here, I brought the manual. What about religiousness? Do we ever put what the manual says? And I'm not talking Christianity, right? I'm not talking about the worshiping of God. And by the way, this thing is a great tool to worship God with. But we ever put the tool before God? Do we ever put what we say that, oh, but it says in the church manual that thou shalt not... And then it's like scripture instead of what actually scripture says. Not that it's bad. But if we put it before God, it sure is. What about my job? So I thought about, oh, I left it on the back counter. It's sitting back there. There's a Pepsi can. So, um, but, right? Do I ever put my job before God? I have before. I had to destroy that idol at one point in time. Right? My job before God. What about people's perception of us oh my my job can idol is coming to me here we go thank you very much sir there it is there's the pepsi can um what about people's perception of us i like it when people's perception of me is favorable but do i ever strive to do anything i can to make their perception more than what it should be Because God's perception of me is what I truly should fight after. Not to say, again, that people shouldn't have a good perception of me. But is it the ultimate goal? What about clothes? I got into my daughter's closet. And I found the rippedest jeans I could find. By the way, I think that the more tattered they are, the more they cost for some reason. But what about clothes? Having the most trendy clothes. The best look. By the way, I'm just as guilty up here. I got into my own closet and I put on this suit jacket today. Right? I wanted to look nice when I got up here. That was important to me. I wanted to present the Word of God this morning in a way where I looked pleasing. By the way, some say I only look good from here down. I don't know what that's about. Amen. There we go. Right, But I wanted to look good presenting the Word of God today, and that was important. And this is all funny because every one of us can relate to it. What about hobbies? Oh, I missed one. Oh, it's back here still. For all of you people that have had to hear me talk about the plants in my life, this is the pepper plant that, if I'm not careful, is idol worship to me. Hunting, who can relate to that one? That we could put hunting before we God, right? What about a car? By the way, I thought it'd be inappropriate if I drove my Ford in here on the stage, so I brought this little car from the kids' rooms. You guys can have it back later. Self-image, right? How much do we care about what we look like? Oh, this is a two-sided mirror. That's cool. I don't use these things. Uh, and relationships. I think relationships can be one of the hardest for me. Because I have relationships with so many people in here that this is my object lesson for this, that you guys can fit on here. But my relationship with my wife or my relationship with my kids or different relationships that I have, that sometimes I want to please that relationship more than I want to please God. See, I brought a list of stuff that in my life, this re- this represents... My idol worship when not in check. This is my stuff. You have your own stuff. You have a whole different group of stuff that you might. I don't think that everybody in here, maybe a couple of us might worship, you know, have plants get in the way, but it's a hobby, right? I can get obsessed over this one thing. I can get absolutely driven to ignore God, ignore family, ignore all kinds of things when I focus on one of these things. And so these are the things in my life that I have to keep in check. Just like the Israelites, when they were coming across and they were going through and they were having to rely on God for every single thing that they were doing, guess what? That's when God came down and says, you know what? You got to stop putting everything else before me. You got to just focus on me and what I have to say. None of this stuff up here is inherently bad. I've got one thing I didn't show you, the church rituals handbook. Cars. By the way, all you motorheads out there, I don't get that, right? I know what a spark plug is, but beyond that. But some of you, games, who in here, either games like this or games on your cell phone, will put that before God, will not read scripture, will not dive in, won't use your time, me, I've done that. I've sat there and played my, my video games before. What I'm saying is I know where you're coming from, but I also know that some of this stuff gets in the way of what we're truly trying to accomplish and what God's plan is for us. When we're putting us in the things that we create before God, we've got things out of order in our life. I want to read for you Psalms chapter 115, 4-8. It's going to be up on the screen. We're going to go through some Scripture. We're going to look at this. We're going to find out what Scripture has to say about idolatry, and we're going to keep going with it. But their idols are silver, silver and gold, made by human hands. They have mouths, but cannot speak. They have eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. Feet, but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. If I put my job before God, what does my job give back to me? My job gives back to me maybe a feeling of satisfaction. It gives me cash, right? So that I can put my slim stack of cash in my wallet. My job gives me, it gives me a few things, but you know where that ends? It ends right here on earth. It doesn't go any further than that. It doesn't have a bigger picture than that. My job ends here. If I'm going to worship at clothes and what I look like, and that's what I'm going to worship, I might look good, right, to all the people around me and give myself a good perception of what it is. It doesn't do anything on the inside of me. It doesn't fix any of my inside conditions. Close the nice car. I don't know. Like a 1968 Chevy Mustang. Right? It might be sweet driving down. By the way, 1968 and a half Chevy Mustang, right? Oh, yeah. Ford Mustang. Whoops. See? Not Motorhead. But, right? So, it might look sweet going down the road, but it doesn't do anything for me, right? Not eternally. All of these things, by the way, I love, and I'll call it what I sometimes call it, my time of worship in the forest, right? Going through, packing a gun. By the way, it is hiking with a gun lately. It hasn't been very productive. But it is quiet time, and it's special time. But if I take that time and put it before God... All it is is quiet time in the forest. It's time away from my family, it's time away from civilization, but all it is is quiet time in the forest. None of these things are inherently bad, but they do take up our time when we give them too much of it. We will wind up acting just like our small G's over here, our small G's for God, instead of like the big G. For our big God, if we let it happen to us. I want to read for you out of Acts as well. So, Acts chapter 17, verses uh, 24 through 29, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. We're going to stop there for just a second. By the way, I have U version on this thing. And I read U version on my phone, right? When I don't have my paper scripture in hand, I go to my U version on here and I I read through it, and that's good. But God doesn't live just inside my cell phone, and God doesn't live just in between the pages of the Scripture, and God doesn't live just there. God has to live everywhere outside of that. God has to live in the big picture of everything we do. Reading the Scripture has to change our everyday life. Prayer to God has to change how we see other people. It has to change how we view money. The big God has to change how we view the image of ourself. Starting in verse 25, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God doesn't need us to give him money we took tithes and offerings just a little bit ago by the way God can make his own tithes and offerings but he does need his creation to be obedient and it's in that obedience that we get closer to God God he can create whatever he wants by the way we are his creation so he's already shown that he can create what he needs for life and now he's just looking for worship From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. He wants us to chase him. He made all this the beauty of all creation just to point back towards him. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold, silver, or stone, an image made by human design and skill. We can get as close as we want in trying to create things. We have this representation right here of this cross. This hangs in my house, by the way, right? This cross represents a lot to me, and my family, but God's not stuck in here. This is a representation that we don't worship this cross in our house, but we remember what this cross stands for. And sometimes that's tough because sometimes you want to look at the cross and you want to worship the cross. But guess what? We get to look back and we get to worship what it stands for, and how it changes everything, it's a reminder in our home, not to be worshiped itself, but to worship the creator himself. We are a people set apart. We are not like earthly things. We have been created for so much more. People like to downplay the human race as something that's just like another animal, People like to downplay the human race as another object. They like to downplay the human race as something that just, it just exists on earth. It's like any other creation. But I have some news for you, and that's that God created you in his own image. You are set apart. You are special. You are what everything else around here is created about. And you are created to worship God. He's invested something very important in you. We've been through a lot of funerals lately, and each and every one of them that was a believer's funeral, we said something very specific. We said that that person is now better. We said that that person has gone on to be with God. We didn't say to anybody, oh, that person is missing their cell phone. (sighs) Their job, it really misses them. Oh, I wish they would have just read the manual more. If they could have just acted more religious in their everyday life, it just would have been... No, we said every one of those people. We're not not worried about the things that they had here on earth. We're not worried about the cars that they had. We're not worried about the hobbies they had. In death, we are excited for a believer's funeral because they're with Jesus it's like party with Jesus time it's sad for us because they're not here on earth with us but not one of those were we worried about their fashion when they left we were worried about their eternal spirit and that's what we have to be worried about today we're lucky to still be here your cell phone doesn't get to go to heaven with you Neither can anything on this table get to go to heaven with you. I mean, I hope there's plants in heaven. But if there's not, I'll be okay. Let's worship God first in everything and let everything else be what it is. Nothing but an object of this world. I'm going to invite Jay to come up here as I've got a final closing story that I hope sets things into a little bit of light. I want to tell you the story. It was uh, re-announced by uh, Nathan Castens, And it's in The Wounded Healer, Henry Newton retells a tale from ancient India. Four royal brothers decided each to master a special ability. Time went by and the brothers met to reveal what they had learned. The first brother comes in and he says, this is what I figured out. I've mastered science by which I can take but a bone of some creature and create the flesh that goes with it. And all the other brothers, yeah, good boy. Second brother says, I, I know how to grow a creature's skin and hair if there's flesh on a bone. All right, now we're getting somewhere. Two of the brothers can start doing stuff. Third brother says this, I'm able to create limbs if I have the flesh and the skin and the hair. All right, so the brothers are coming together. It's starting to look like maybe since they've been apart, they can create something. And the fourth concluded with this. He says, I know how to give life to the creature if its form is complete. All right, so all the brothers, they get together, they go on out. Remember, this is a fable. They're not creating life. Thereupon the brothers went into the jungle. They found a bone so they could demonstrate their specialties. As fate would have it, the bone they found was a lion's bone. And one added flesh to the bone. The second grew the hide and the hair. The third completed it with matching limbs. And the fourth gave the lion life. Shaking its mane, the ferocious beast arose and jumped on its creators. He killed them and vanished into the jungle. We too have the capacity to create what can devour us. We too have the capacity to create objects in life that will take all of our attention and drive us far from what God wants us paying attention to. This will destroy us if we let this get too big in any one area of our life. Do not let the things of this world overtake what God really has planned for each of us. It's not that any one thing is bad here, but put ahead of God, anything is bad. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for giving us life. Thank you for giving us the ability to worship our creator. Thank you for giving us families and homes, things to do, people to see. But Lord, above all, help us stay focused on you to worship the creator and not worship the created. Lord, help us spread the word of God, not spread the word of stuff. Lord, continue to be a part of our everyday life. And in everything that we do, Lord, may it be pleasing and honoring to your sight. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. As we get ready and we go off to Sunday school that starts at 945, just I would ask that you stay focused. You are loved by your church, you're loved by me. Go in grace and peace.